Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Praise the Lord. Get ready to open the the scriptures. And if you would turn to Genesis chapter 41, we're going to continue as we look at verse 25. But first, we're going to look to the Lord. Father, our eyes are upon you as we wait upon you to teach us now, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Genesis chapter 41, verse 25. And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaoh is one. God has showed Pharaoh what he's about to do. The seven good kind are seven years, and the seven good years are seven years. The dream is one. The seven thin and ill-favored kind that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty ears blasted with east wind shall be seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, and there shall arise after them seven years of famine, and all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land. And the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of that famine following, for it shall be very grievous. For that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice, It's because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt and let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and let them take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years and let them gather all the food of those seven good years that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine which shall be in the land of Egypt that the land perish not through the famine. Okay, now, in this chapter of 41 here, we have this great transition that's taking place in the life of Joseph, and it's interesting just to get a little bit of an idea in our minds, exactly how long was Joseph in the land of Egypt? And so we can put these pieces together when we look at Genesis 37, 2, in Genesis 37, 2, where we saw Joseph being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. So now we've got 17 years, and we know that that was the time when they sold them into Egypt. And then in verse 46 of this chapter, dropping down, it says Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Who's good with math? 13. <laughs> okay, 13. Oh, well, Scott was, it's Scott, he's a math teacher. He was going to say, anyway. 13 years. So now, We don't know exactly how long he was in Potiphar's house. Let's just give it three years. So this means that he was in prison for 10 years. It's a long time. How was he feeling during all these 13 years? I mean, the up, the downs, the ups, the downs. 
you know, during these 13 years. How is he feeling there as a slave during that time? And how is he feeling, especially during those for those 10 years in prison. This is the amazing characteristic about all of scripture is that it just seems to give us so often so very little information about feelings. Scripture just gives facts. And so it's in the history of the Lord that we read and the, the bare facts of the crucifixion where you might say that was the pinnacle of feelings. But in Matthew 27, 35, we just have four words to describe it. And they crucified him. That's it. No other details given about the feelings of the Lord during the most horrible death that's ever taken place of the crucifixion. And the same is true about Joseph here. We're studying the lives of Joseph. So few details are given about how he's feeling during this time when he's in, in Egypt. And it's just left for us to color in the details. And this is the wonderful part about the scriptures. It relates stories to us in such a bland way that it's like an invitation for us to just enter into a wonderful meditation. Take the pen, the palette, and the brush and fill in through a thoughtful consideration all the colors here of the feelings as led by the Spirit of God. Now, in verse 25, it's the first time that Joseph speaks to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh tells Joseph all about his troubling dreams And then Joseph says to him in verse 25, Joseph said unto Pharaoh, the dream is one. God has showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. So the first thing that Joseph tells uh, Pharaoh here is the dream is one. And then he says, God has showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. I mean, just imagine this scene here, that here's this man. Pharaoh knows nothing about Elohim. He knows nothing about God, nothing at all. He's not had the benefit of having, Pharaoh has not had the benefit of having a grandfather named Abraham to whom God appeared and taught him so much. Pharaoh has not had the benefit of having a father named Jacob who God appeared to when he slept there in Bethel and then who later wrestled with God all night long, saw God face to face, named the place Peniel, face of God. I've seen God face to face. My life is preserved. And then he changes his name to Israel. That was not Pharaoh's father. Pharaoh has not been raised in a home that honored God. Well, at least sometimes they honored God. Some people honored God. Anyway, with prayer and circumcision, separation from the world of idolatry. And now Joseph is going to speak to this person who for all intents and purposes is coming here and he's really an atheist. Okay, and if you were to say to Joseph, okay, now, Joseph, what are you going to say to him? I mean, he knows nothing about God. What are you gonna, what's the first thing that you're going to say to, to Pharaoh, Joseph? What is it? And Joseph says back, and he says, well, just watch me. And, and, and Joseph says, the first thing I'm going to say to you, Pharaoh, is that God has showed you what he's about to do. That's really a message of God's love to Pharaoh. Because in essence, Joseph is telling Pharaoh, God so loved Pharaoh that he has showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. I mean, what do you say to a person today who knows nothing about God? I mean, if you go to Israel and 85% of the Israelis will look you straight in the eye without any hesitation, without any apology, and they will say, I am an atheist. That's true. 
85% of the Israelis will tell you that. I am an atheist. I do not believe that there is a God. What would you say to a person like that? What do you say? I mean, uh, first, it's, you know, it's a little bit of a shock. And then that's who Joseph is talking to in Pharaoh, a person who knew nothing about God. And what Joseph does to assure Pharaoh is that he tells Pharaoh, God is good. God, God is for you, Pharaoh. God loves you, Pharaoh. And seeing Joseph do this by telling him, he's look at the love he's showing you because he's t- telling you what he's about to do. That's a lesson for us. Here again, here's Joseph. He's teaching us another lifelong lesson. Here's a lesson from the life of Joseph. Joseph, because people today, lost people today, they do not primarily need to have the existence of God proven to them. You know, people today do not primarily need to have the Bible proven that it is true. People today do not primarily need to have evolution proven false and creation proven, proven, proven true. Even though we have the creation, the Museum of Earth History and Creation. It's important for people to believe in the existence of God. It's important for people to believe that the Bible is true. It's important for people to believe in creation and not evolution. But that's not what people primarily need. Because if a person believes that God is real, and if a person does believe the Bible is true, and a person does believe that creation is a fact, that still leaves the essential question of, what does God think about me? And how does God feel about me? And what does God want to do with me? And today, people primarily need to know God loves them, and God cares for them, and God is for them, and God wants to help them. And that's the message that we need to primarily bring to people when we bring the gospel to them. You know, the message that all the lost need to believe, need to see primarily is John 3.16, for God so loved the world, and Luke 2.14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men, and Romans 5.8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Ephesians 2.4, Ephesians 2.4, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. And 1 John 3.16, 1 John 3.16, hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And 1 John 4.9, 1 John 4.9, and this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world. And 1 John 4.10, herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. We can go on and on. That's the message that we primarily need to bring first off the bat, right off the bat to the lost. And God loves the world, all the world, red and yellow, black and white, all precious in his sight. There's no such thing as God only loving a certain group of people. God loves the world. God wants all the world to be saved. There's no such thing as God deciding who will trust him for for salvation and who will not trust him for salvation. God loves the world. And in 1 Timothy 2.4, it says, that he will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So this is the message that Joseph has now delivered to Pharaoh when he told Pharaoh that God has a personal message of love for you, Pharaoh. 
And that he's telling you this, Pharaoh, so that you can prepare yourself and for Egypt for the coming famine. So when Joseph tells Pharaoh that God has showed Pharaoh what he is about to do, Joseph is setting up the true God, the only God, the, the, the only true Elohim, Ha Elohim, the God, as opposed to all the Egyptian gods. So those are nothing. And Joseph is helping Pharaoh to come out of the deception of the idolatry to the knowledge and the worship of the only true Ha Elohim, the true God. Now, when we look here at how Joseph is speaking to Pharaoh, we see a man here in Joseph who is straightforward. He is honest. He is sincere. He is frank in his explanation to Pharaoh. And yet, Joseph has this great, unique ability to interpret Pharaoh's dream. And he's proving here, what Joseph's doing here is he's showing us is that even though he has this God-given ability, he's the, and he's the only one in Egypt who can interpret Pharaoh's dreams, it would have been very easy for Joseph to become drunk you know, intoxicated with his God-given ability. Look at me. Well, oh, boy, dream interpreter I am. Would have been very easy for him to do that. But the way that Joseph is just telling Pharaoh the, the, the straightly what his dreams meant with no flourish or anything like that, it shows he's really not overly impressed with his God-given ability. Another lesson for us in the life of Joseph, he teaches us, to resist becoming overly impressed with abilities or possessions that God has given to us. Now, then in verse 26, 27, 26 and 27, Joseph now explains to Pharaoh that the key point that you've got to focus on in your dreams is the number seven. Seven means seven years. There's going to be seven years of plenty. There's going to be seven years of famine. And we can imagine how for Pharaoh, this is just a whole lot to be taken in at one time. This is like, whoa, wait a minute. I got to reprocess this. And when you can think of Pharaoh just sitting there, he's thinking in his mind, he's percolating down, you know, like a, it's just percolating through his mind and he's thinking about the seven years of plenty and how, boy, it's going to be really easy for my, I know my people, they're just going to become lazy. During that time, they're just going to become, you know, they're just going to become so enjoying the abundance of the plenty. And he's thinking about that. And there Pharaoh's thinking about the seven years of famine. And he's worrying about what's going to happen during those seven years of famine. And we can see him as he's as this sort of percolating down. And, and we're thinking about how, you know, I remember seeing those, those thin cows. They were ferocious. You know, they just ate up the fat cows. And I saw all the blood of the slaughter happening, you know, it's just such a shocking scene where the thin cow is just slaughtering and, and ferociously devouring those fat cows. And then I remember seeing, sitting there, you know, and they're voracious, they're gobbling them up, those fat cows. He's thinking about all this. And then the thin cows continue to look so bad, and that's bothersome to him. And then he sees those thin cows, and he says, I'm really worried. i never seen cows that look so bad before. And I'm really worried about the fact that they look so thin after they ate up all the fat cows. He's trying to process all this. We can't even process it. I'm not sure how could he? Anyway, and he's thinking about how those beautiful fat ears of corn were looking so good on the stalk there. 
And then there was those terrible, all shriveled up, thin corns of ears that were just blasted with the east wind like they'd been through a blast furnace. And he's worried as he sees these, these thin ears aggressively move up the stalk, you know, and you can see them, they're approaching the fat ears, and, and he wants to yell out, no, leave those fat ears alone, you know, and, and, and then the thin ears, they don't listen to Pharaoh. And he sees the, the sort of violently come up on the fat ears, and he sees the husks flying, the corn silk flying, and they eat up the fat ears, and, and then we can see him worry that the thin ears, they don't change after they ate up the fat ears. They're still thin. They're still awful looking. They're all shriveled up. They're dried up from this hot desert wind. And so all this is really disturbing to Pharaoh, and it's disturbing to his spirit. And then the interpretation that Joseph gives to him is all the more disturbing, and it's causing him to worry. Because he's saying, he, because what Joseph is telling him is that it's kind of confirming his worst fears. This wasn't going to be just a little... I don't know what he could have thought. But anyway, this was a worldwide famine that's going to come. It's going to devour and destroy Egypt. Now, at this point, Joseph is carefully watching Pharaoh as he's becoming more and more agitated, more and more disturbed with the interpretation. And then we see Joseph do something just wonderful. It's just like Joseph. You know, he takes the hand of trembling, frightened Pharaoh And he says, look, I know you're afraid of the future, so I just want you to take my hand, Pharaoh, and let me lead you back to the most important and reassuring truth about your dreams. I want you just now, Pharaoh, just take my hand. Don't worry about how all the people are not going to do anything to prepare in those seven years of plenty, you know, and how it's all going to be wasted. Don't worry about that. Pharaoh, just take my hand right now. Don't worry about the famine in those last seven years and how it's going to destroy all of Egypt. Don't worry about that, Pharaoh. Pharaoh, just take my hand right now and let me guide, guide your troubled thoughts to a safe harbor. Let me take you to a place of shelter. Let me take you to a place of protection and in this time of great storm in your life. Come with me now, Pharaoh, and let me lead you from your worries to a place of great peace and assurance. This is what he's doing in verse 28 when he says and repeats, as he emphasizes the repeating to him, this is the thing which I've spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh in verse 28. So when Joseph says this to Pharaoh, Joseph is saying to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, this is the point I want you to stay your thoughts on, to let all your other fears, just don't think about that, just think about this. Pharaoh, great peace will come to you if you don't think about the plenty and you don't think about the famine, but you just think about God's intention here. What's God's intention? Pharaoh, this is what I told you in the beginning in verse 25. Verse 25. God has showed Pharaoh what he's about to do. Now, Pharaoh, I'm bringing you back to this same point. It's like a pole that you can stay yourself on. That's why I'm saying to you now in verse 28, verse 28, this is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh, what God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. Pharaoh, just think of how much God loves you and how much God is for you to show you what he is about to do. Pharaoh, can you join me now in just thanking God for showing you what he's about to do? Pharaoh, can you join me in praising and worshiping God for showing you what he's about to do? 
So when Joseph says in verse 28, this is the thing which I have spoken unto you, what God is about to do, he showeth it to Pharaoh. It was like Pharaoh, with all this information, was like on a stagecoach, and the horses were running wild. You've all seen those movies, you know. <laughs> and Pharaoh, he couldn't control his thoughts. You know, they're like the horses and the runaway stagecoach. And so when Joseph comes in verse 28, it's like Joseph has climbed up onto the driver's seat of Pharaoh's runaway stagecoach and grabbed the reins of all those, those horses that are out of the fears and the, the troubled thoughts, and he brings them under control. And he does it by causing Pharaoh to focus his thoughts on God alone and, and not on what was going to happen. So what Joseph is doing here with Pharaoh was spoken by Isaiah in Isaiah 26.3, Isaiah 26.3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. He goes on to say, trust you in the Lord Jehovah. So Joseph is saying to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, stay your mind on God. On the love of God for showing you what he's about to do. Pharaoh, just meditate on the fact that God didn't have to show you what is going to happen. It could have caught you all by surprise. But he did show you so that you can be saved and your country can be saved from this coming famine. Pharaoh, as you stay your thoughts on the love of God for showing you what he's about to do, then now let your heart now trust in God. And then you're going to find the perfect peace that I say Isaiah, from Isaiah 26.3. Now, in verse 28, Joseph here again is a lesson for us, another lesson for us. When we're like Pharaoh and we're troubled with bad prospects for the future, like a three-year-old kid that has leukemia, and it's the, that's the time for our thoughts to be on God and to trust in him and find that perfect peace. You know, last Thursday, we were driving through Los Angeles and we were in Pasadena and I passed a store and I did a double take on the sign, you know, and the name of the store was, it's all about you. <laughs> What's the name of the store? It's all about you. Now, I didn't want to go into that store. <laughs> it's all about you. I want to go, and then I said, like, where's the store? It's all about God. <laughs> but the problem is, is that we so easily wander into the store, it's all about you, like Pharaoh did. And we need our heavenly Joseph, that's the Holy Spirit, to come into the store that where we are, it's all about you, and take us by the hand and pull us out of that store and send us into the store, it's all about God. Because when we're in the store called, it's all about you, then our heavenly Joseph says to us the words of verse 28, this is the thing which I have spoken unto you already, <laughs> again. <laughs> and then we apologize, and we leave the store, it's all about you, and then we go in the store, it's all about God. So in verse, you probably think I'm crazy, right? <laughs> this make it, <laughs> it doesn't matter. In verse 28, Joseph is called Pharaoh to see. To see Romans 8.31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? That's what he wants Pharaoh to see. Pharaoh, can't you see that God is for you because he's showing you what he's about to do? It's not going to catch you by surprise. So the lesson we learn from Joseph in verse 28 is to focus the lost and sometimes ourselves on the love of God as seen in the cross.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.